earlier, Mike was reading from Acts chapter 2. The Apostle Peter goes out being filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel. Many are saved, thousands are saved, baptized, repenting, uh, not only from their sin, this wicked generation, from uh, a religion, a dead religion, to the life that is in Christ. And they gather. And gathering becomes the norm of Christianity. To be under the teachings of the apostles, to break bread together, to be in meals together, to pray together, to do communion together. All of that together as the community of faith. Now, as we begin this morning, I just, this was on my mind this week, and uh, road trips, don't you love road trips? <laughs> Our family lo- loves road trips, hitting the open road, seeing new places, you know, we actually have, uh, uh, Allie, our oldest daughter, would make us road trip CDs, you know, fun road trip songs, get your motor run, and we'd turn the songs on and hit the road, loved it. Uh, for us, they were, and, and most of us think this way, it is a getaway, uh, time to get away uh, from the norm. Um, Emma loves our getaways. She's, she comes to me all the time. Dad, can we go to a hotel? And I was like, we don't need a hotel. We are at home. But she wants to hit the road. Uh, once we're on the road, she says, Dad, are we going to take a potty break? She loves potty breaks. That's something special. We love it. That She wants to do a potty break. And, uh, but for the most part, she knows we're going in to get some snacks for our road trip. But again, road trips for us have become getaways Uh, escapes from the norm. Even in ministry, we call them retreats. (laughs) Uh, We're going to get away. Retreat from ministry. Get away. Lord, help us. Um, But typically, when when your trip is over, uh, you don't necessarily like the trip back. And sometimes it it seems longer. You start to think about all the things you're going back to. um, And a lot of times, there's a negative connotation when we come home. We tell ourselves, uh, it's back to work back to reality. But returning home is a good thing, especially when it comes to God and His kingdom and His family. Coming back to Christ and His church is actually a great experience that we often overlook. Uh, We forget the celebration of the goodness that somebody has said yes to Jesus or someone has returned to the faith or has returned back to the church. And this God that we believe in, um, this God of second chances, is the God that has also always provided a way back to Him. Once we have believed, even if we drift and we sin and we get out of a habit of worshiping Jesus Christ and in the church, Christ always wants us to come back. And God has always provided a way for us to come back to Him. I can't help but think about the prodigal son. He leaves his father's house. And this prodigal son had it made. He leaves his father's house. It goes into what they would say a far country. That means far away. He lives in sin, wasting his life, wasting his money. His older brother knew that he was involved in prostitution and all of these things. But there was a time where he came to himself. And he returned to the father's house. The good thing is that even if you've walked away from Christ, if you have failed him, Uh, if you have even denied Him as we've seen in the Scriptures. Now, there's a portion where it says, if you have denied God, He will deny you, or Christ, and before the Father. That means if you've denied and not repented. Uh, Even if you have doubted God, as some of the disciples did, He is always offering His forgiveness and His love, His restoration, His peace, 
in a way back to him. And that's something I want to talk to you about today. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 22, verses uh, 31 through 32. You can join us in uh, the Bible or you can look on the screen with us. And so here we have it, Jesus in his last hours, um, they have prepared the Lord's Supper. They're having this feast, and as we're, they're preparing, there's these intimate conversations. And, you know, Peter is talking about he's willing to go to death for Christ. But Jesus is going to show us something beyond, uh, beyond the curtains. The things that we don't always see, and we get to see this spiritual reality that happens that Satan wants to take down Christians. So Jesus tells Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. Now, I, just this morning I was reading over my sermon and I was looking at this text and I'm just preparing. And as I was reading this, I saw where it says Satan demanded to have you. It's not just that he made a request. It's that this is important for Satan to take down one of the twelve. That he wants to take him out. Uh, this is a high priority. This is target number one because Satan had come to tempt Christ. And it says that he, Jesus obviously did not give him to sin. And it says that Satan left him for a season. He's making his way back and he's trying to go after the disciples. Satan demanded to have you. That he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, if you were to look up at the Greek word for turned, you will see returned as well, different words there. If you have returned, when you return again, strengthen the brothers, strengthen the other apostles, strengthen the church, strengthen those who believe in God. Let's pray together today. Father in heaven, we thank you for this, Lord, this is holy, this holy moment. And so far we have come to worship you. We've sung about your son's blood. We've sung about the Lion of Judah, the Lamb who was slain, this blood that provides forgiveness and remission of sin. Lord, we thank you that the Lamb of God was willing to go to the cross to die for us, to provide atonement, that the blood would wash away all our sins. And Lord, I thank you that we were able to sing also about the end of time. This lamb who was slain is also coming again. And that we will stand before him. And I pray that we are not those who will be ashamed at that time. Lord, that it will be joyful for us to look you in your face. To bow before you. To know that everything we've done here mattered. That we were willing to give up our lives that we were willing to turn from sin to the Savior. And Lord, today as we get in your word and we, we learn about returning to you and, and not leaving, but finding our way back, uh, Lord, I pray that we are on mission with you, that we are reaching people who have left the faith, that we're reaching the lost, that they may be brought back into the family of God. It is your mission to seek and save the lost. And Lord, I pray that we have a tender heart about that. Uh, Lord, that we don't always see the problems, but that we see the people that need saving. And Lord, also through all this, I pray that we remain faithful. As we saw in the text today, Jesus told his disciples, you have remained with me. And I pray that we are those who remain with you, firm in the faith, solid, uh, immovable. Uh, and as we are winning people to you, and that we are discipling them to follow you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Now, on Thursday, this past Thursday, I was given the great honor of giving um, the message at the rescue mission. Um, Mike and, and Jay and some of the guys uh, have been serving at the rescue mission meals for years now. And uh, Merritt has been teaching at the rescue mission. And he said, Derek, I think this would be a good opportunity for you. And, and so I looked into that and I've been teaching at the rescue for a year now. And just loving to see what God is doing in this rescue mission. A great extension of the church. In fact, I would say the rescue mission is church. Um, but as, you know, I was given the opportunity to, to give a message. But as I, were, as I was there doing that, a lot of people were coming forward and, and they were giving their testimonies. And I love that because they are messages of people who were away from God. And people that lived in destitute and depression, despair, whatever it may be. One person who said that he was a Christian. Um, he had believed in Jesus Christ. He would say he was saved. He just didn't learn obedience and sanctification. But all of the stories were stories of people finding their way back to God. And I love that because that's the message that we have as Christians. This good news of Jesus Christ is that he wants to save the lost. He wants people, even people that have left the church, he wants them to come back to the family of God. The story was of people who found their way back to God. I love that. Uh, some of which I said that, uh, that grew up in church. They were Christians, but they got away in sin, in destructive lifestyles, and they found their way back to God. And the good news is that we not only can find our way back to God, but we can remain in what God is doing. Uh, even though the world is, it, there's this great temptation and movement against the church to shame it, uh, to make you feel guilty for believing the truth, we can remain in what God is doing. Um, and, and the good thing is when you come back to God, as we learn in our text, then you can be used by God. It, Jesus told Peter, and when you turn, strengthen the brothers. It was in this moment of that he left and he returned that he would be forgiven and made whole. Only then could he do what Pastor Mike was sharing today. Only then was Peter able, filled with the Holy Spirit, to go and preach the Word of God to strengthen the church. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. It's part of my personal testimony. Uh, because my wife and I were people who believed in Jesus Christ. We kind of played church in and out of church. And there came a time where we had to say yes and dig in and recommit our lives to Christ in the church. Uh, it is imperfect, and this is what I tell people. A lot of people have problems with, with everything about the church. I don't like organized religion. I don't like this. Uh, the pastor's too political. The pastor's hellfire brimstone. All of these things. Every church has problems. Every, every church is imperfect, but God is using imperfect people to accomplish His perfect plan in the world. Amen and amen. That is what he is in the business of doing. So there's a few things I want to talk to you about today. And the first thing is that there is an enemy and his name is Satan. Now in the scriptures, we hear here that Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you as wheat. Um, and, and here we see that Satan is on the move. Peter would write about this later. We quote this a lot, but we don't see the significance and the connection. That Peter would say, Satan is as a roaring lion, roaming around, seeking whom he may devour. And here we see the perspective of Jesus. We see what Satan is actually doing. He is demanding people. He wants to destroy God's people. 
And we must understand that Satan wants to see your faith fail, to sift your wheat in whatever, sift your, your faith as wheat in any way that he can. And Paul reminds us that we are not to be ignorant of the devil's schematics, of his temptations. Uh, that as believers, we should know who Satan is. That we should know th- that he has the power to deceive. That we know that he has tempted many and caused many ministers and many believers to fall into his deceptive ways. He is masterful at getting people to actually leave the church and ultimately leave Christ altogether. But also the thing is not only is Satan deceitful, it, it, that he is a deceiver, that he's coming after you that we are in a fallen world full of distractions. I think one of the mistakes that the church made is that it tried to compete with the entertainment of the world. We are not in a competition with the world. We have the message the world needs. However, there's these temptations and we get pulled away because the world is full of all kinds of attractional things, all kinds of entertainment, all kinds of distractions. And not only that, we have a heart that is desperately wicked. The greatest challenge you will ever face is overcoming your own fallen heart. That we are to guard this heart. Uh, We are to be careful about our emotions. We're to be careful about our thoughts and our desires. Jeremiah, I don't have this on the screen. He says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. That this fallen heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick in some translations, but wicked in other translations. Who can understand this thing? That it deceives me into thinking I'm doing good when I'm doing evil. It makes me think when I'm doing evil that it's good and it leads me away from Jesus Christ. And there's a few things I want to share with you today about this. Why do people leave the church? Now this is something happening all the time that people leave a church or people leave Christ. Why does it happen? And I was looking for um, a list about these things. I found one and I was like, that's a really good list. And I was like, but that's not good enough. Uh, There's a lot of things that we have to deal with. And I just, I put nine here. There's a lot more and we don't have a lot of time. But I want you to see, why do people leave? One, they are deceived by Satan that there's a better way. Or they're tempted by something to pull them away. Satan plants false ideas And I like to remind people, not everything that glitters is gold. Something else might look good. They say it's greener on the other pasture, across the fence, in the other yard. In the south, we like to say, if it's greener on the other side, it could be that the septic tank is leaking. It's not always always what we think, but people are deceived by Satan. They're tempted to, uh, they have false expectations. Uh, They're looking for perfection with imperfect people. And I want you to know, if you were to say, I am done at this church, I'm going to go to another church, at first, you're going to feel, you're the new person, it's going to feel good, unless they're just an angry old church. There's some churches people go to, like, they didn't even talk to us, (laughs) you know. But you'll go there, you're the new person, it feels good, and over time, you're going to find out, guess what? There's people here. And I always like to tell people, no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> uh, and so there's, but there's false ex- expectations. We think everything is supposed to be perfect. Again, God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. Three, hurt. Now, I've been hearing this for years since going into ministry. The church hurt me. And I like to probe and ask questions, what really happened? Well, what you find out at the end of the day, they didn't get their way in a lot of cases. There's real hurt that happens. I mean, there's some serious bad things that have happened in church. 
But nine times out of ten, when somebody says they were hurt, what they really mean is that they wanted their way and they got their feelings hurt. Um, but I think we should be careful about that at the same time. And sometimes I was hurt is an excuse to avoid accountability. A lot of people say, well, you know, I was sharing this with somebody the other day. And this is what ministry has become in the last few years. Pastor, I need to talk to you. Sure, let's talk. I have these problems going on. I have these issues. I'd like to share them with you. Sure. What do you think I should do? Well, I think you should do A, B, and C. And this is the answer. No, I'm not going to do that. And that's really what I'm dealing with. And that's really what the 21st century church is, is that I'm Christian. My life is a mess. I need help. And we give them the remedy, and they don't want to do it. So we deal with those things as well. Four, bad relationships destroy people's relationships with Jesus Christ. And also, that means they didn't develop healthy relationships with other Christians. If you come into a church, and you come and attend from time to time, and you worship, but you do not build relationships with other Christians, eventually, most people leave, or they will say this, I don't feel accepted. And that's a thing that Satan will do. You have to be prepared for that in your heart. We don't feel like we really belong there. We're not really accepted. What has really happened is people have not reached out to other people and accepted other people and built good, solid relationships with other Christians. Five, uh, shame and guilt and embarrassment. I was reading a book years ago. We were in a staff meeting in Raleigh, and one of the reasons the pastor said people would leave a church is because they had shared their problems, and now people know. And they're embarrassed about that. But in the church, we should be able to confess one to another that we might be healed and forgiven and live the way we are supposed to. But also be careful who you share with. Six, false assumptions about church. Um, they think the church is here to solve everybody's problems. And at the end of the day, we can help people, but we cannot solve everyone's problems. And this is what we see a lot. Is that I, I describe it this way. This is the illustration. That people are at sea in a boat drilling holes in their own boat. And they want us to plug the holes. Now I can plug some holes. But if you're still drilling holes in the boat. I can't solve that problem. Jesus can solve the problem in your heart. To help you stop drilling holes in the boat. Seven. Uh, people get invited to another church. This is an ongoing thing. I cannot stand it. Um, this is a pet peeve since moving to Casper, Wyoming. I'll have people say, oh, I'm sorry I can't make it. So-and-so invited me to their church. I was like, what is that? And, you know, if, if somebody's having a baptism with a family member, get, go and celebrate the baptism. They wanted us to come to their thing, their fall fest. I was like, we have a fall fest. Invite them to our fall fest, you know. But I'm just saying, why do we invite people to go to other churches? This is our church. And we're not trying to build up the church by taking other churches' people. The mission is to win new people to Jesus. I want that to set in in your heart because what happens is people get excited about church and like, man, you know, God is moving at my church and they want to take people from other churches. Don't do that. And in fact, if somebody is upset at their church, teach them to have it resolved first, the best of your ability. Some people are going to leave a church. There's nothing you can do about it. We will receive people. But we are, the mission has never been to go and take people from other churches that are already saved. The mission is to win the lost. If somebody is disconnected from a church, we want to disciple anybody that we can so they can grow up in the faith. Um, number eight, they have broken healthy spiritual patterns. Um, they, there's different things that can distract us from having a healthy spiritual pattern, pattern in worship. Uh, graduating high school. 
If you don't have a place in your church, somebody graduates high school, a lot of young people can leave, go into college, break in uh, a pattern, a new area, a new place. You know, I don't feel like I'm accepted in these new places. Whatever it may be, a sickness. You could get sick and miss a Sunday, and then all of a sudden, missing that one Sunday has challenged your faith. And then you miss another one. And before long, you've missed several Sundays, and you get out of the pattern, and this is what will happen. You'll come back to the church then you feel odd about it because something was wrong in your spirit and then you feel like you don't belong. Um, nine, high expectation of everyone else but not yourself. And self-sabotage. Um, you're setting yourself up if you think everybody in a church is perfect. We're to seek perfection in Christ but we are very imperfect and we are all on the journey of following Jesus, becoming holy, becoming disciples, but we are very imperfect. Now, raise your hand if you remember where I did a sermon, uh, I think it was 2019, Tumbleweeds and Trees. Do you guys remember that? Uh, I, 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 I've been watching that, and I wanted to share some of that with you today for those who didn't see uh, or hear that sermon. It was about the present culture of Christianity where people tumble from church to church like tumbleweeds. We used to call that, you know, church hopping. Um, as Christians, we are called to be trees. The description is always that. We are planted in the house of God. We're to grow roots that we can grow up in the faith and produce fruit. If you don't grow roots, you won't produce fruit. You'll keep tumbling around. What is the problem with a tumbleweed? Why does it tumble? Because of Wyoming wind, one. <laughs> Two is because they have weak, a weak root system. And I, when, when I preached this sermon... Pastor Jim Knight came up to me after the sermon and said, you want to know also what these tumbleweeds do? You know those little goat heads you find in the yard? They're painful, aren't they? Some people will tumble from church to church to church and leave those nasty things and they've caused a bunch of problems. Another sermon altogether. Um, <laughs> but we are to grow. That is the reason I encourage people to get planted. That's why we work hard to build relationships to get someone plugged into a class so they can build relationships that they can grow in their faith uh, so they are, and, and that they begin to serve and not just serve. Some people in church are just takers. Uh, we want to move from someone who's receiving and then some become people who serve. Now, the reason I did this is because um, some people leave over nothing and they end up tumbling around and never realizing their potential as a Christian. I really want to see people grow and answer the call uh, to be firm in the faith, to be solid disciples of Jesus Christ. Not long after moving to Casper, working really hard, get, getting people connected, that we had met, met a, a young man, and he started coming to the church. And not long after being here, he was sharing some of his story. And he went through all the churches he had already been through in Casper. And I was like, what in the world? It was like six or seven that he was there for a while and then left, and there for a while and left. And I was like, oh, no, on the inside, I was like, he's going to leave here, too. But I was like, okay, we will still do our best to connect and get them plugged in. Before long, they left the church as well. Now, why does that happen? What has happened is we develop this, this kind of this hopping pattern that becomes the norm. If you don't stay and dig in, then the problems that made you leave will be the problems that make you leave the next time. And we want to mature and grow beyond that. I keep telling people, you need to pass the test. You have to study for the test. If I failed the test, that there was a problem at the church, I disagreed with something, and I left and went to another church, there's going to be another problem there. 
So now I'm taking the test again, but now could I have studied and understood, maybe I didn't need to leave. Maybe I could have just talked to someone and worked it out, and, and that there was, you know, we can resolve the conflict. Um, it's much like hopping from relationship to relationship with teenagers. You know, I'm so in love with Billy. Why are you talking to Brad? You know, and Brad and so-and-so would hopping around from relationship to relationship, job to job. My dad got on to me even when I was in my late teens and early 20s. He kept saying, Derek, you keep quitting your jobs. He said, you need to find a job and stay there for a while. And, and in fact, you learn a, a, a trade, you learn something in a habit of how, this, how to show up at your job and continue at your job. The church at the end of the day ultimately exists to make disciples. Um, you will never fully grow if you keep avoiding the test. If you keep dropping out of God's school. Again, we need to pass the test, and we do that by staying connected. Now, even though Satan is deceptive, and he's in the business of pulling people away, and your heart is deceitful uh, and wants to keep you away, Jesus is in the business of making a way. So the next thing I want you to see is that there is a Savior. Again, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. But he goes on to say, but I have prayed for you. I love the fact that Jesus prays for us. I love the fact that the Bible tells us that he ever makes intercession for the saints. That means Jesus is speaking on your behalf right now as he sits at the right hand of the Father. He knows what we're going through. He knows our troubles, and he intercedes with prayer. And I love this. It allows us, again, to see the unseen. That Jesus is in the business of seeing what Satan wants to do and wants to intercept what Satan wants to do. And Satan, Jesus is praying for you that you would return, that you would be strengthened yourselves and that you can be involved in ministry, uh, involved in finding your way back and digging into the church. In fact, the very nature of God wants to see everyone saved. Um, there's, there's theology that we learned years ago. I was a part of a church that we would call it a high Calvin, hyper-Calvinistic church. And they had this theological term called superlapsarianism. When you go to uh, theology school, you don't learn how to deal with people and all the things you're actually going to deal with in a church. You learn deep theological terms. Super, uh, superlapsarianism is actually what they would call double election. It means that some are elected to heaven and some are actually elected to hell. But the Bible actually teaches us that God is not willing that he would lose anyone and that any would suffer. Peter actually talks about this, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. I'm going to share it with you. It's not on the screen. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. I love that, and that God has been patient with me. He's patient with us, not wishing that any should perish. Our God doesn't want any to perish, that all should reach repentance, that he loves us so much. God loves us so much, I can't even grasp it still. I can't preach it as good as I would want to preach it. I never will understand it until we stand in his presence and realize all the good he has done for us. But here we see that even when we are tempted to leave, he's in the business of praying for us, and God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. He is in the business of saving people and wanting to have them come back. He wants you to come back. He has prayed for you to come back. And he has a plan for you when you do come back. Now, what does it take? How do I come back to Christ? Now you're like, hey, I'm here today. <laughs> I have come back. I'm with Christ. I'm with the church. Um, but let's share this just in case people are thinking about what's next.
Or maybe you have a friend or a family member who has walked away and they need to know the way back. Years ago, we had our senior pastor preach a sermon on how the, the conscience can be seared. That when you become so numb to sin, your conscience is seared and it, it doesn't affect you the same way. And I remember I was away at a conference and I received a text from one of my college and career students who asked this most profound question that no adult has ever asked me. Or she was a young adult, but no, no one older than me, that is. How do I have my conscience unseared? How do I return after my conscience has been seared? And so here it is, a few things. One, recognize that your way isn't working. Man, I keep doing these same things over and over again, and they are not working. The Bible tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, and in the end is death. God has a better plan. Actually, God can do better with your life than you can. Uh, and so it is. Recognize, man, this is not working. Two, remember that God truly loves you. Even when you've lived in sin and, and walking away, the Father, it always shows, He was standing and waiting for the Son to return. This good, good Father that loves us wants us to return. He really loves us. Three, repent and turn to Christ. That means metanoia. It means to have a change of understanding of the way you live and, and to turn to God and other change and turning to Him. Four, go to Jesus, call on Him. Like, go home and get somewhere and say, God, I need help. Uh, cry out to Him. Confess to Him your situation. I can't do this. I need you to change my life. And four, go to church. It is huge. We're going to get into that a little more, but this is a huge part. It's, we have divorced church from Christianity. People say this all the time. I don't need church to be a Christian. Really? Are you a Christian? Well, I'm good enough. What does that mean? How, much, how good is good enough? What are you doing that's actually good? Well, I go to work, pay the bills, get drunk from time to time. Still looking at porn, cheating on my wife. The good enough we have made is way down here. The good enough we need is through Jesus Christ. It is Christ. And I want you to know, Jesus has never said, you know, I love God, my Father. I just don't like all these sinners that I came to love and save. God loves his church. Jesus loves his church so much that Paul writes about this. He loves the church. He died for the church. The Bible teaches us, people love to say, those church, those church folk are so judgmental. They're supposed to love one another. I just can't stand them. It's like, wait a second. We are to love one another. This is church. This is how we are to live. So turn to God. And that brings us to our next part here, that we are to surrender to the will of God. Again, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, that you're not easily deceived, that your heart is not filled with all these doubts and discouraging ways, that you would really understand that I love you and you're to be a part of my plan. And when you have turned back, strengthen the brothers. And this is what we see. Satan is trying to disrupt what God is doing in your life. But God wants to repair the damage that has happened. He wants to repair the patterns that we create for ourselves that are destructive. So it's not only He has saved my soul, now He's teaching me the way of salvation. 
how I'm to live as a Christian, that I'm to live holy, that I'm to turn away from these sinful patterns, that I'm to be involved in the mission. It's not just that, that I'm a Christian, I'm forgiven, uh, I am a disciple. Now we serve in this mission. This means that we have to say no to the patterns that hurt and say yes to the things of God that help us. It's that simple. No to the things that hurt, yes to the things that actually help. So here it is. How do I find my way back? Now, actually, I found my way back. How do I stay? I'm struggling in my faith. There's people inviting me to do other things, to go other places. It's disrupting my relationship with God, but I want to stay in the battle. I want to continue to serve God. One, trust God's plan. Again, there's a way that seems right to a man. In the end is death. The Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not to our own understanding. All our ways acknowledge Him, and He will what? He will direct our paths. Two, be patient with people. Some people are hypercritical. They've gotten saved, and they think it, they, they're a spiritual elitist, and they think they have it all figured out. But we have to be patient one with another. I've had people make me upset. I've made people upset. But here's also number three. We need to be forgiving. Is that what the church is about? Love and forgiveness. We need to forgive one another. A four, huge. Learn conflict resolution. Learn to go to people and say, I'm upset about this instead of leaving. Because this is what happens. Somebody leaves a church and they go visit another church and they're not known there. And they don't have the relationships. And it's just odd again. So they end up trying another church and another church. Before long, they don't go to any church. I know many who've left a large church here in town, and they thought they would just find another place. And they ended up fizzling, and they stay at home now. And that's exactly what happens. And eventually, if you stay away from the body of Christ, you will leave Christ altogether. But we need conflict resolution. Learn to work through disagreements and challenges. Five, make friends with solid Christians. We need relationships with other Christians. Six, develop healthy spiritual habits. I've said this time and time again. I'm going to reiterate it for the person that needs to hear it today. We need to be in regular worship. Uh, we've come to a pattern in our culture where I, somebody goes once or twice a month or a few times a year. We need to be together more often. Two, uh, attending discipleship class. Why do we like classes? Because we're learning about God and we're building relationships with other Christians. Uh, daily scripture reading, being the word daily, be praying daily, be praying throughout the day. Give to the mission. You have buy-in when you give to the mission. You have buy-in and skin in the game when you serve in the church because you're invested. I want to see this thing accomplished. I'm giving to it and I'm seeing where the funds are used. They're used to accomplish God's mission around the world and I'm serving in this mission. It's something to be excited about. Um, giving to the mission, serving in the mission, doing good in the community in whatever way that God might see Christ in us. We're to be light in the world, a city on a hill, actively inviting people to Christ in the church. I would go as far as to say, keep inviting people. It took me a year, almost a year, to say yes when somebody invited me back to church. My coworker that became a pastor started inviting me to church in 2002. And I didn't say yes until 2003. We assume they're never going to come. Keep inviting, keep seeking. So as we close today, I have a few things for you as we're going to spend some time in prayer and worshiping God. Um, the thing I want you to see is that the beauty of our God and His gospel is the fact that all it takes for repentance is one step to Him. 
You could have gone years away from God. Miles away from God. But all it takes is that one moment when you realize, I have it better in God's kingdom. I have it better in my Father's house. And you make that turn, that decision to come back. And God is already there waiting for you to receive you. So today as we close, we've done this from time to time. We want to open altars for prayer. You can stand with us and enter into a time of prayer and worship. But we're going to open altars for, for us to come and pray about somebody. Maybe you're like, well, I'm back. I've been back for years. Well, you have a family member and a friend or a co-worker, whoever it may be, that needs intercessory prayer. Let's come. Let's pray for the people that need it. Pray for yourself to remain in the faith. Uh, we're going to pray. It could be that, Lord, help me. I'm going through a struggle. I'm